Sandra Tanner is our guest next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? The Utah Lighthouse Ministry has had a huge impact on Mormonism, Mormons, and Mormon polygamists for decades. You can find them on the internet at utlm.org. And if you utilize their search engine, you can find just about anything or everything or everyone who might have been or is connected with Mormonism, especially its origins. And it can be discovered by searching her website. UTLM was uh, begun by Gerald and Sandra Tanner in the early 1960s. And just about anyone who's connected with Mormonism in any way would be familiar to some degree with the Tanner's work. Our guest this time is Sandra Tanner. She has had, she does have deep Mormon roots that go clear back to Brigham Young. And she is our guest for our interview this time. And thank you, Sandra, for coming. Yes, good. And we finally got it together to <laughs> yes. work and make it happen. I appreciate it. What we're going to do is talk about a book that was recently released, published, yes. called Lighthouse, uh, written by Ronald V. Huggins, published by Signature Books here in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, been released in both hardback and softbound, softback yes. book. Uh, and it's the story of you and Gerald um, and your work, and we're going to discuss the book. Yes, <laughs> good. Um, would you tell our viewers how you can buy the book, how they can get the book? Yes, well, if you go to our website at utlm.org and then go to the book list, you can order it there. And it's uh, we sell a little cheaper than Amazon. Well, maybe it's about the same as Amazon. I don't know. Um, I think it's about $36 in the hardback and $22.50 in softback. So um, uh, just order it on there. You can go to Amazon. Uh, local bookstores in Utah could probably get it if they don't have it already. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Okay, and we certainly urge you to get it. And after you see the interview and listen to our comments, you hopefully will be wanting to go and get it. Uh, now, <clears throat> the subtitle yeah. describes you and Gerald as despised and beloved critics of Mormonism. Yes. Now, we know that the, those in the beloved category <laughs> who, who love your work are those who've been helped yeah. mightily by the, the things that you have published and, and discovered and published. But who despises you? <laughs> well, through the years, it's been quite a few. <laughs> Why do they surprise you? Because you bring it out. Because we talk frankly about LDS issues, doctrines, problems, changes, contradictions in their history and in their doctrine. And uh, many faithful Mormons have been so trained through their life to believe that anything critical of Mormonism is lies. And so, therefore, our books must all be lies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're trained as a Mormon not to read outside sources, not to read anything critical. You should only read faith-promoting things put out by the LDS Church. And uh, this is easily confirmed by just trying to ask a friend to look at something we printed. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and if they're faithful mm -hmm. Mormon, <laughs> they'll probably refuse because it's done by apostates. Yeah, it's just yeah. a standard response. And you've had some pretty nasty emails and yes. phone calls. That <laughs> yes, I'm going yes, to hell. And, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, m many people 
who are familiar with your work and know that your ancestry goes back to Brigham Young. For those who don't know your relationship, to explain how you're related to him, and has that relationship affected your credibility in the Mormon culture, do you think? Well, when I was an active Mormon, it was sort of bragging rights to be able to say that he was my great-great-grandfather and that I... Uh, summer times I visited my great-grandma Young, who was still alive. Uh, so my ancestry goes, uh, Brigham Young joined Mormonism about 1832, and uh, but his wife died uh, after he'd only been married uh, just a few years, leaving him with two little children, two little girls. And when he joined Mormonism, then he met another lady there that he married, and so his legal wife was Mary Ann Angel, mm -hmm. and that's my great-great-grandma. Okay. And so then Brigham and Mary Ann Angel had a number of children. One of their children was named Brigham Young Jr., and that's my great-grandpa. Mm -hmm. I never knew him, but I knew his plural wife. <laughs> and so it, as the third wife, um, God, now her name is... Uh, left my mind. Anyways, the third, the she was uh, Abigail, Abby Stevens Young, and Abigail was seventeen when she married Brigham Jr., who was an apostle, mm -hmm. and he was fifty-one. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> she was a very pretty, shapely girl, and I'm sure that helped Brigham Jr. be attracted to her, and I assume from her side living down in Taylor, Arizona, on the edge of the Navajo Reservation, there probably weren't a lot of good prospects. And, uh, marrying an apostle who was the son of the president of the church would have certainly uh, had a certain good. amount of advantage yeah. for someone mm -hmm. in a dirt-poor village. Yeah, yeah, yeah for <laughs> So sure. uh, yeah. then they, uh, that son named Walter, who was my grandpa, and then my mom and me. So it's a direct line down direct through line. Brigham Jr. Yeah, okay. Um, I want to quote um, from the introduction section yeah. of your book. And it's going to go on the screen for those who are watching. Given the uncorrelated nature of the Tanner's work, a lot more people, including believing Mormon scholars, were reading and being influenced by the Tanner's over the last 60 years than were probably willing to openly admit it. The Tanners, in other words, represented an important but often unacknowledged force contributing to the direction of Mormon historical studies throughout the second half of the 20th century and into the present one. Indeed, given the large number of historical disputes that Tanner's research contributed to, it would be impossible to trace the course of Mormon history and historiography over the past 60 years without an understanding of their involvement. Now, this is mind-boggling to me <laughs> that, that you outside of the church brought more <coughs> information and truthful information yeah. into the church that even the Mormon scholars were looking right. to you guys for information um, and your willingness to publish it. Um, during those last 60 years of publishing your yeah. research, did you ever want to just stop and walk away and, and from it all? And if so, why didn't you? Well, of course, there's times when you want to walk away because <laughs> <clears throat> it's a um, 
an effort that has a lot of dissension, uh, trying to reach out to Mormons that don't want to hear, mm -hmm. <coughs> uh, makes you at odds with a lot of people and in your own family. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, we got a lot of pushback, people coming in the store telling us off, calling on the phone anonymously and telling me I'm going to hell. And uh, so there are days when it got a little strenuous, but um, we knew that God had brought light to us and it was all of grace because uh, can't, I can't claim any special drive in me to seek out God or seek out truth. I was happy little Mormon. And, <laughs> and my mom started asking questions, and then I met Gerald, and he's asking questions. So it all kind of got pushed on me. And But once we started to see the depth of the deception in Mormonism and the reality of the biblical message of God's grace, mm -hmm. we felt an obligation to share it with our friends and families. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you get discouraged some days, but then you have someone come in that's just fully open, looking for Christ, and it just makes your day, and yeah, so then you say, yeah. oh, well, I can't walk away now. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. It is. I know it can get discouraging, too, and I'm sure you had a lot of days. Um, now, we, we're going to pick and choose yeah. through the book, obviously. Uh, just the highlights, because we can't go through any of the details, well, no, although we'd like to. <laughs> that's a lot to go through. <laughs> uh, but the first chapter talks about how you met and married Gerald. And obviously, um, the details come from reading the book. But it was kind of a whirlwind yeah. love story where you got married and lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got married and lived. <laughs> there, there, were, there were times when it was... Uh, a little more contentious than others, but uh, we had a good relationship, but we both are strong-willed people, and uh, so we have our difference of opinion on research and what we should do and when we should quit and um, yeah. <laughs> those things, but uh, God honored our union, God honored our commitment to each other and to our search for truth, and so through the years, we've just had the opportunity to talk with thousands of people. Yeah. And I've talked to so many people on their truth journey that are seeking God, but they don't even know where to look. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a hard road for someone that's been committed in Mormonism. It is. It's, it's to, so hard. Yeah. It's so to, hard. To try to take a second look when everyone around you is opposing you doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very rewarding journey, but... It's an emotional, emotional one as well, because I empathize with these people that are going through so much, possibly facing divorce or losing a job mm -hmm. or being disinherited or not being able to see their grandkids. Yeah, There's so many problems so that come up when they step away and start saying, well... God is more important to me. I have to follow truth. Mm. And there's a cost for that. Uh -huh. And you've seen that happen yes. a, a lot, and that is a blessing. At the end of the chapter, there's some questions that people may have had. And uh, I'm not going to ask you all the questions. I just want to ask you a couple of them uh, uh, that comes naturally from knowing who you and Gerald are. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of them was, how was it that Gerald, who was a rebellious and ambitious teenager, came to hold meetings <laughs> 
to explain the teachings of a Mormon splendor group. And how did how was it that your LDS grandmother took you to one of those meetings? <laughs> yes. Well, when uh, I was a teenager, when I was about 16, my mom and grandma and aunt read or had or just read, I'm not sure the time frame, <clears throat> Fawn Brody's book, the biography of Joseph mm -hmm. Smith, No Man Knows My History, which had caused them to start researching early Mormon claims and documents. And in the process of their searching, now you have to remember, this is before internet. This mm -hmm. is, you had to go to the library and look stuff up in a card catalog. You know, it, it was uh, um, a lot more challenging to do any kind of research. And the number of people involved in research was smaller. So anyone researching Mormonism kind of tended to find each other. Mm. You bump into each other at the bookstore or the library or something, you know. Yeah. Well, my mom found out about this little splinter group in Missouri, this little Church of Christ that had left the reorganized church and just believed the Bible and Book of Mormon. And because they had been doing research on the First Vision and Book of Mormon, uh, my mom had run into contact with them, and they uh, had sent her some material. My grandma evidently was involved in this research, I didn't know at the time, and had also been in touch with people in Salt Lake that all ended up knowing each other. James Wardle, the barber from the reorganized LDS church, was in touch with this little splinter group in Missouri. My grandma got in touch with the barber and um, so Gerald, as a 20-year-old, was had met up with this group in Missouri that believed just the Bible and Book of Mormon, was having these little cottage meetings. And he asked James if he had a list of people that might be interested in hearing about the concept of just believing the Bible and Book of Mormon and following Jesus and not doing temple work or any of that stuff. James gave him a list of people he knew, and my grandma was on the list. Mm. So, uh, grandma got this postcard <laughs> telling her about Gerald's little cottage meeting. I came back on spring break with my grandma to Salt Lake to help her with her luggage. She got home, saw the postcard, asked me if I'd take her to the meeting. I thought it was going to be a bunch of old Mormons and didn't want to go. But she didn't have any way to go unless I drove her. Mm -hmm. So I drove her across town, and we walked up into the front door, and this real cute guy <laughs> answers the door, and his name's Gerald Tanner. And I thought, wow, okay, this might be yeah. more interesting than I thought. And that's how I met Gerald. Uh, and, of course, he's talking about all kind of heresy, you know, give up polygamy, uh, not polygamy, give up the temple ritual, priesthood, uh, you should only have one God, follow the Book of Mormon uh, and the Bible, and just follow God through that. You don't need any of this other later doctrine that came into Mormonism. Well, he was cute, so I invited him over to my grandma's, and the rest is history. The rest is history. So that's how it came about, to answer those questions. Um, it talks, uh, the, of course, the book tells a lot of, of great information. Uh, but uh, chapter four is uh, entitled Dear Friend. Yeah. And so probably the rest of, of this time will spent, be spent talking about that. You, you, you um, well, I'll quote from page 61. Yeah. 
It is not uncommon for those who go through a faith crisis or a powerful conversion to want to share their experiences with others. In 1960, Gerald and Sandra Tanner bought a mimeograph machine from Sears. Both felt called to share their findings, to persuade others to come to Christ as they had done, and perhaps to justify their actions to their friends and family. They started by mailing letters and short tracts to family and friends. And so you printed them up and you sent them out. Did you send out a lot to a lot? of them and did you get a lot of response (laughs) i sent this dear friend letter explaining i was leaving the church because i didn't see the church as true and i was just going to follow christ uh i sent it to my whole ward mailing list wow i sent it to every mormon i knew outside of my ward mailing list i sent it to the general authorities Mm -hmm. here in salt lake Mm -hmm. i mean i just sent it to everybody Mm -hmm. and uh that's not the way to win friends and influence people I got a little pushback. On I'm that sure one. you did. Yeah, we're going to talk about one of those pushbacks uh, because you did send it to uh, Legrand Richards. God, one. No. So Legrand Richards is what position does he did he, he was, did he have in the? Uh, he was an apostle and a very well respected and well followed apostle because he had written a book, a marvelous work and a wonder, mm-hmm. which back in the '60s was a very popular book amongst the Mormons. Mm-hmm. I think the missionaries were all reading it before they went out. It, and it's still it, quoted a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's quoted a lot. It, they don't, I don't think they printed it anymore, but it would probably be on their website. Uh, but so he, the, he was someone that had um, uh, great familiarity to the Mormon community as an authority figure. Mm-hmm. And we exchanged letters about... I had claimed that there was a problem with first vision and that Joseph never Joseph Smith never claimed that he had seen God and Christ in the early years of the church, that there weren't early references to this. Um, the teachings of Mormonism wouldn't have been the same at that time. They weren't saying there was plural gods. Uh, and so this idea of Joseph telling people about a first vision where you would have both God and Jesus appear as individual people, seemed out of place. And so we had a correspondence with LeGrand Richards over this, and mm-hmm. he finally said, well, his great-grandpa wrote it down in his diary, and so uh, my claims are all wrong. Mm-hmm. He can prove mm-hmm. that it was mm-hmm. talked about early on through this mm-hmm. diary entry. We went up to his office at his invitation to see it, he eventually showed us a microfilm of this diary, but he wouldn't let us look at the earlier pages to determine the date hmm. of the entry. Oh, okay. Interesting. And Gerald says, this sounds past tense, like Joseph Smith's dead when he's writing this account. So can I turn back on the microfilm and look at the date? And uh, Apostle Richards got real miffed and took the microfilm reel back there in those days off of the reader and handed it to the attendant there and told her uh, we weren't to see it if we came back she wasn't mm. to show it wow. to us wow. so part of the story in there is uh, goes into how we finally got to see it mm-hmm. and we published it and then he threatened to sue us and <laughs> It goes on. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's a very interesting story. But I do want to quote yeah. what he uh, what he said. He wrote to you. He yeah. wrote a letter to you, page 64. And I'm going to quote from part of that letter. 
where he wrote back as his pushback to you. He says, you haven't found that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not the true church because that is absolutely impossible. You have become infatuated with the man whom you married and love is blind. You have not had the courage to stand out for what you knew to be correct. I find that. Well, you know how I find that. That's, that's pretty, you know, you, of course you love your husband. That, yeah, well, there's nothing wrong, wrong yeah. with that, of course. But, but he counseled you to begin working with your husband at that point to get him to join you uh, in back into the Mormon church, the only true church. How did his advice work out? How did you respond to that? Was it? Uh, I just ignored that part of his statement because... Um, I knew it was just uh, part of their spin, the way they react to challenges to their truth claims. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, <laughs> it didn't make us mad. It was kind of frustrating because this is the pushback we were getting from everyone that, oh, well, the church is obviously true and you guys are obviously not really researching. You're just taking other people's statements and believing lies. And he was blaming Gerald, though, for your yes, apostasy, yes. so to speak. Well, in a sense, I guess he was responsible. <laughs> but because when I was studying with him before we got married, he was showing me all kind of photocopies. Right, but and you have documents. a mind of your own. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> it's not like he was just steamrolling over me. I was willing to look. Yeah. And the facts were there. It wasn't just infatuation. Right, right. It was that he actually could back up what he was saying. And that's what gave me the courage to write the letter and send it to every Mormon I knew. <laughs> and and that's the point, that he could back it up and you yeah. were willing to, to check it out. Right. But see, LeGrand Richards was not offering the same kind of openness. Right. Because he's hiding yeah. the actual source on to, that's supposed to support his claim mm-hmm. and doesn't want us to go back and see the original Whereas Gerald's showing me all the original books. And so um, it, that was, uh, what do you say, the template for the rest of our lives was having the Mormon church saying we're misusing sources and lying about them and us printing them up to show, oh, I think it's the other way around. Uh-huh, you're the ones yeah. showing the documents. You're yeah. the ones hiding them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, the you it says it in the book that your negative encounter with LeGrand Richards caused Gerald, quote, to be weak in the knees. Oh, and, yeah. And, it, and that's what made him realize later that that they were hiding something from yeah. their members and, and, like you said, motivated you to go forward right, to dig right. out some of that stuff. Um, did you experience the weak in the knees at that toy, or was that just Gerald? <laughs> well, it was kind of intimidating when we met with him in his office because he threatened us. Well, he threatened Gerald. I mean, he just was shaking his finger at Gerald. You know, I'm warning you, don't you start anything against this church. Well... We knew that they had all kind of money, and we didn't have zip, you know. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what was the warning going to be? I mean, what would the be the response? What would they be planning to do if we kept going? So, uh, but we felt we didn't have anything to lose in the sense that we didn't own anything. So if that suit us, <laughs> there was nothing to get. <laughs> did did. Um... Were there any other high up general authorities or anybody like that who kind of joined in with LeGrand Richard at that particular time to intimidate you? 
well, yeah, Marky Peterson at one point had threatened to sue us. Um, we had people, like I said, call up and tell us off and threaten us. Uh, Gerald, we lived up on the avenues in the early years of our marriage in a wood frame house. And Gerald was very afraid at the time that someone might set our house on fire. Mm -hmm. And so we had a fire extinguisher in the bedroom and we slept upstairs. I mean, if someone mm -hmm. had burned the house mm -hmm. down, it would have been very hard for us to get out alive. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, and then we, fools rush in, we printed the temple ceremony. <laughs> Even now, that's still very and, sensitive. Yes, and we thought, oh, wow, you know, uh, is this the final straw? So the fire extinguisher was always handy. Uh, but when nothing happened in that regard, we thought, well, I mean, if they didn't burn us out for the temple ceremony, we're probably pretty good. Uh -huh. <laughs> when, you know, once you go public, it's, they're not going to bother you as much. As, yeah. uh, we've just got uh, two or three minutes left. So my last question for this time would be, um, when, when you officially left the LDS yeah. church, was it voluntary or were you excommunicated? Both. <laughs> uh, we were in a situation of where we said we quit, and so they fired us. And uh, so when we <laughs> wanted our names off, they wouldn't take them off without excommunication. So they had a court, found us guilty of apostasy, and threw us out. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's like a boss who you go in and say, I quit, and he writes on the paperwork, I fired him because he had a bad attitude. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> Were there were, were they're called love courts, aren't they? Were courts this, of love, yeah. Are they pretty much the same today? Because I've heard a lot of people today talk about their love courts, and I just wondered if there's been any changes uh, since then. Some bishops are more clinical of just you know get it done and and just do the paperwork and not make a big hassle out of it. Mm -hmm. But back in uh, the 5960 time period when we left, there was no other option to get your name off the rolls other than having a church court. Mm -hmm. If you really wanted your name off the rolls, you had to go through this disciplinary through court. Oh, Nowadays, okay. there is a track where you can uh, tell the bishop you want your name removed and you write a letter telling him, putting it officially in, in yeah, paper. Yeah. And then they usually will do it fairly easily. But there are always those bishops that want to make some sort of stand on the yeah, issue yeah. that will make it a difficult court. Was LeGrand Le Richards part of that court? Or no, was he this left was it up local. to the local? Yeah, yeah this was local. I, mine was in California. Gerald's court was here in Salt Lake after we moved back here. And uh, so his was just in the local ward, though. Mm -hmm. Both of us were just our bishop's court. Okay. So you were both excommunicated and you. Because left. we asked to be. Removed. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, we're out of time for this time. Okay. Um, but we have more to talk about. It's a kind of a big book, and there's lots to talk about. So, uh, watch next time as we continue discussing the book Lighthouse with our guest Sandra Tanner. And thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy: What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. 
If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.